I'm Isabella Freund. And I'm Alyssa Sullivan. Miss America brought us together. But now we're using our voices to discuss issues beyond the crown. For the next few months, our podcast will shine a light on how the community is reacting to the COVID-19 pandemic. We interview doctors, teachers, business owners to help you understand what the future holds and bring you some kind of certainty in a world that is anything but. This is the Closer Apart Podcast. Hey, everybody. We're back. Hi. Welcome back, everyone. We're here for episode two, and we're so excited for the guests that we have lined up for you today. Yes. Don't forget to subscribe. We are now on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud, which is so exciting. (laughs) Today's episode is going to be a little shorter. Now, even though it's not as long as our first episode, we still have so much information and amazing guests that are really going to tell us a lot about what's happening today. So last week's episode ranged to be about an hour. Today's will probably be around a half an hour to 40 minutes, but we still have great content for you. And we're excited for our two guests today because our first guest is actually the chief of police in Middle Township. Celebrity status here. We're very excited (laughs) for him to be here. He is the chief of police. His name is Christopher Loosner, and he started in law enforcement in 1997 with the Wildwood Police Department as a class two police officer. He worked his way up to be hired as a Middle Township police officer full time, even served in the SWAT team for nine years, went on to be promoted to chief of police, and even is the past president of the Cape May County Chief of Police Association and currently serves as president of the New Jersey State Association of Chiefs of Police. What a bio he has. He's a VIP, very important person. So we're excited to have Chris here today to talk to us about what it means for a police station during the pandemic, how they're adapting, how they're handling all of this. I don't know about you, but I can't even imagine the change that they're experiencing. They went from being able to serve us one day to now having to care about their own health, but also having to go out every day and making sure that they're keeping the peace. And it's a really difficult job. And I know that Chris is doing a great one. So we're excited to have him here. So Chris. Hello. Hey, Chris. Hi, Alyssa. How are you? So I'll jump right in. How would you say that the pandemic has changed the job that the Middle Township cops are doing on a daily basis? Well, it's changed um, a lot in terms of our procedures. We've worked a lot with the uh, attorney general um, and the Cayman County prosecutor in terms of relaxing a number of um, regulations and policies on routine matters that don't have a direct correlation to a, an urgent public safety concern. So we're trying to interact with more residents on those routine issues uh, electronically um, through uh, scheduling appointments Um, If there is the need to have an in-person interaction or on-scene investigation, uh, we're doing it uh, utilizing social distancing and also supplying our officers with PPE to protect themselves if there are indications that they may be dealing with someone that's infected. And the use of that PPE has required more training. So it's a combination of uh, policies that you have to put in place Uh, We have changed our staffing levels a little bit. Uh, We created eight patrol squads instead of four to kind of mitigate the the impact when an officer is infected or needs to be quarantined. Uh, And just about all police departments in the states have been doing that, and that's been working out well. So in, in the community, for the most part, do you find that people are responding positively to social distancing? Yes, absolutely. I think uh, a large majority of our residents uh, are complying with the governor's executive orders. They understand uh, the reasons why. Um, we do get some calls here and there. 
but they are few and far between, and I'm really pleased at the response from the community. That's great. So on a little bit of a different note, um, we've seen a lot of generosity in the news. What is the most generous, generous thing that you've seen happening in Middle Township that shows that the community is coming together, working together? I would say all the people making masks. I mean, um, you know, we've had a number of people reach out to us to, to, to drop off cloth masks. We're pretty good there. We did receive a donation um, from one of our local businesses. Uh, but seeing, you know, um, online and through some of our partners in the community on the, the, the fire side, um, the Cape May County Sheriff. Uh, there's a lot of people making masks and, and giving back to the community, which is really nice to see. Some stations have talked about resources for domestic violence victims. What has your station done in terms of giving those resources to people who might be struggling at home with a domestic violence situation? Sure, we've been sharing information uh, on our social media, pushing information out from the public. We've shared a number of things from the Attorney General and the Cape May County Prosecutor's Office. Um, so we've been using social media as a big way to try to communicate with our residents. And when it comes to domestic violence, I mean, that's one of the calls where we, you know, absolutely that's directly connected to public safety and we were responding to them. We are taking them very seriously. Um, and, and we will make arrests and make sure that all the resources through, um, CARA, the coalition against, uh, rape and abuse here in Cape May County, who's a good partner is involved. So uh, it is uh, a very serious case. And like I said, directly connected to public safety. Nothing has changed in our response to domestic violence. Do you find that less people are going out? I mean, obviously, you guys are typically out there patrolling and watching what people are doing for speeding or whatever it may be. Do you find that people are still going out? Like No, nah, there's been before? a definite reduction, no doubt about it. You know, traffic enforcement is down. Uh, now officers are focusing, you know, primarily on offenses directed um, to uh, traffic safety, um, any reckless driving, DWI, things along those lines still continue, but traffic enforcement is down. But I'll also tell you that motor vehicle crashes are down without a doubt. And that's because less people are on the roads. And when, you know, we listen to the press conferences of, uh, you know, Governor Murphy and Cuomo, which we're doing on a regular basis in our emergency operations center at the police department, you see that that's a trend across the region and even hospitals are seeing a reduction in the number of people coming in for motor vehicle crashes, motorcycle accidents, things along those lines. People are wondering what they can do to help right now. So what <clears throat> advice would you give to them, like people in the community? Well, you know, my advice is, uh, you know, stay at home as much as you can and follow the governor's executive orders. You know, I am uh, president of the New Jersey State Association of Chiefs of Police. We represent over 400 police chiefs. And I wrote an op-ed for the Newark Star-Ledger, um, I think it was last week or the week before, uh, asking folks to stay home. And that's the best way that they can support um, the first responders who have to go out into the community and interact with people and do place themselves at risk. So everyone that's staying home helps slow the spread of the virus uh, and increases uh, safety and reduces risk for our first responders, which is important. You know, I've had one officer test positive. Uh, I've had to quarantine a number of officers. I currently have officers quarantined right now. Um, and it is um, a serious uh, public safety and health crisis we're dealing with. And, uh, you know, I ask people to stay home as much as they can. Okay, right. Great. Thank you Thank so you much. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. You doing it. All right. Take All care. Right, guys. Have a good one. Well, I thought that was great.
he was a really great guest. Absolutely. He had a lot of really great points, actually, because I read the other day that over 700 cops have tested positive for the coronavirus in New Jersey alone. And there's more than 800 in self-isolation due to becoming infected or worrying that they could be infected. And a lot of these stations have had to cope with the officer shortages. Even retired cops are stepping out of retirement to come and help, which is a beautiful thing to see. Just that in itself, that there are people who are coming out of retirement doctors who are coming out of retirement, stepping up to the front lines to help people and just giving what they can. And that's their gift of being able to help people. I think that it's really, really beautiful to see. My dad was a police officer for many, many years. And I know how scary it can be to have a family member step out every single day and put their life on the line for others when you just want them to come home so badly. And it's even more stressful right now because this is invisible. This virus, we can't see it. And it's spreading so rapidly. And who would have ever thought that it would happen? So I'm just really thinking of the officers. I'm praying for them. Yeah, that, that's so interesting. I've been doing some research as well about how UV light can actually kill the virus. Now, yeah. it's, it's not an excuse to <laughs> when the summer comes around and humidity picks up and the sun is a lot brighter for everyone to think, of, oh, let's go back to normal and ignore all the rules and guidelines that has been put in place right now. It just goes to show that there is going to be light at the end of the tunnel. And being outside, even though we are quarantined right now, it doesn't mean that we have to stay inside our houses. We right. can go on a walk, of course, still following the social distancing rules. Um, it's so important. Right now, I'm actually outside recording this. Right. Uh, it's a really beautiful day today. It's, it's so important to make sure that we are outside. And it does make sense because UV light is used frequently as like a sterilizer to kill viruses. So it would make sense that the, the sun can do the same. It feels so good to go outside and it feels like the best. It does. It feels like the best medicine. Or how many other things do they tell us that we need to go outside and we need to get sunlight and we need to get fresh air? And I know a few doctors have said that they haven't exactly proved it yet, but more articles are coming. And obviously only time will tell. Obviously we're another week into this and it seems like we may be getting closer to a reopening, but nobody can really give us that official date yet. So this is just... A waiting period, just trying to be patient as we inch closer into the spring right. season and, and the beautiful weather. But I'm excited for our next guest because yes. he is a doctor and he definitely <laughs> has some good tips for us. Right. So our next guest is Dr. Eric Hansen. So he is a doctor of infectious disease. He's a specialist at Cape May Courthouse, New Jersey. Um, he's been practicing for 24 years. He graduated from New York College Um, and also the New York Institute of Technology. I'm really excited to see what he has to say. Me too. So here is Dr. Hansen. Hello. Hello. Hey, everybody. So my first question is, how has your day-to-day as an infectious disease doctor changed since this pandemic started? As an infectious disease doctor, I'm in private practice, and I work in the hospital. Probably about 80% of my day is spent in the hospital rounding on patients there, and then about 20% in the office. So my office practice has been has pretty much uh, ceased. I do travel medicine as well. People aren't traveling anymore at this time. So uh, people aren't seeking counsel for travel. Only the patients that need to be seen in the office are being seen. So that's been probably, I guess, uh, cut by about 90% in the outpatient office. In the hospital, uh, things are different. You know, things look different in the hospital. The plan itself 
uh, has been rearranged. Uh, some floors are being turned into a COVID unit. Uh, the wow. patients that are considered what's called a PUI person under investigation, if you have a respiratory illness and you come to the hospital, you're considered a person, person under investigation. So you'll be put in a, a rule out COVID room. Uh, we have to dress differently for known COVID and rule out COVID patients. So the, the coronavirus. So we have to wear different garb. So we wear head coverings and uh, eye coverings and we wear respirators or masks uh, depending on you know, the risk factors, we wear gowns, gloves, and sometimes uh, footwear, uh, foot coverings. Uh, normally, we don't do that except for patients that have tuberculosis, right. but we don't see many of those. So we do that quite a bit now. So we go in and out of rooms. We try to minimize that. Not every doctor will see a patient every day. We try to minimize that. So we try to say uh, one doctor sees the patient, and then uh, we... Uh, go off of those records, the physical examination, for instance. Most of the people are wearing scrubs now where a lot of the doctors and the clinical staff would just wear regular clothes or suits. Now everyone's in scrubs, so it kind of looks different. Tensions are a little bit higher. People are seeing people with COVID. I see not every day, but almost every day, someone with COVID or who may have COVID. So people are a little nervous about getting sick themselves and possibly bringing it home to their families. You know, like everybody's going through the social distancing and uh, staying at home, not going out and meeting family and friends and going to church and things like that. So it's uh, very different now. And that's going to be that way, I imagine, for a little while longer. So what is the best thing that we can do to keep ourselves protected or, you know, boost our immune systems during this time? Coronavirus is a respiratory virus. So it affects the you acquire it generally through your mucous membranes of your, of your head, really, you know, your eyes, your nose, your mouth. So just like other viruses, like influenza or rhinovirus, which causes the common cold. So it's the same mechanism as those. So basically, how do you reduce the risk of influenza, rhinovirus, and coronavirus? You don't want to touch your face as much as you can help it. I've heard different numbers about how many times we unconsciously you know, touch our face in a day or in, in, in a minute or an hour. And it's, it's a uh, number is pretty high, but you want to try to avoid touching your eyes, your nose and your mouth because you can infect yourself through things that you've touched. So coronavirus can live on surfaces. So if people cough or sneeze and then you touch and acquire the virus on your hands, then you can auto and you can infect yourself. So cough etiquette and sneeze etiquette is important too. So if you're not feeling well, it used to be in the old days, people would sneeze or cough in their hands. That was considered polite. But now we, uh, you know, as gross as that sounds, you know, we know better now. So we try to tell people to cough into a tissue right. or use your elbow, you know, of your sleeve and then wash your hands afterwards. So you don't, you know, infect other people. Washing your hands is important too. I like to give the example, you know, to people, like when you go into a convenience store, like say Wawa, for instance, and you open two doors to go in, two doors to go out, you're touching screens to order a sandwich and opening a case to get a drink. You touch a lot of things just in one yeah. door. You know, you can acquire and a lot of people go in and out of, uh, you know, supermarkets and different, different places. So you want to wash your hands frequently. And hearing just to these uh, basic principles really, I think would go a long way because as an infectious disease doctor, I get exposed potentially to a lot of different infections because that's what I do. I'm around people who are potentially sick almost every day. Hmm. 
And I rarely become sick myself with a, a respiratory infection or a gastrointestinal infection. So I attributed that I attribute that to the measures that I take by trying not to touch my face and washing my hands frequently and, you know, using the different, you know, cough and sneeze etiquette and things like that. And the other things we can do too, I think, in with coronavirus specifically, are right now, we're kind of under orders for the social distancing and the uh, self-isolation at home, which I think right now is important for the time being, and hopefully that will ease up soon. And then avoiding gatherings of large numbers of people to reduce the risks to giving someone else something and to also acquire something from someone else. And then right now wearing a, uh, either like a, like a cloth face covering to reduce the risk of getting other people infected and becoming infected yourself. I think those are the main things right now. So one thing I wanted to ask you, I don't know if this is a misconception, but there's been the idea put out there that warm weather might diminish the effects of the virus. Do you feel that that's true? I know Governor Murphy said it a few times, but is that actually proven yet? Time will tell because this virus hasn't been around before. It's novel. It's new. So we're, we're not really sure what's going to happen. It's likely not going to go away, but you know, influenza hasn't gone away either. You know, we've had that for a long time as well, you know, different strains of it. So, um, yeah, I really don't know the answer to that specifically. I guess time will tell what happens with that. Are there any other like misconceptions that people should be aware of about the coronavirus? The virus has only been around since December of this year. So it's just been, you know, four or five months that we've known about it. We've learned an awful lot about it in a very short amount of time. And right now, I was just listening to some uh, interviews in the past couple of days. There's a man who's a, a, a physician and a PhD economist out of Stanford. And he's doing some research right now in looking at uh, serological surveys or uh, looking at how many people have been infected with the virus. And we haven't been able to figure that out yet. We know by looking at the PCR tests you've heard about, like uh, which look, takes a look at the virus from the respiratory tract and how, and if people test positive, that means that they have the virus. And if they test negative, it means they don't have it right now. It doesn't tell you if they've had it or not, but the new test that, comes out the serological test, which is the blood test, which looks at antibodies, can tell us if someone has had it in the past, whether they've had symptoms or not. So this is one of the things that has to happen in the future to know exactly what the incidence of the disease is in the community. And once you find the incidence of the disease, which there's the numerator and the denominator, once you know the denominator, the total number estimated of how many people have actually acquired the disease and the population, then you can look at the number of deaths that have occurred and get the true death rate. And that's right. something that, that may be a misconception that we have right now, not that it's being perpetuated maliciously or anything like that, but just using the best right. data that we have, we really don't know what the denominator is. And just in the past couple of weeks since this test has come out, scientists, epidemiologists are really looking at doing these surveys on people going out and drawing blood from people who are volunteering for this to get the, the total number. So in the next uh, week or so, I think we're going to start having some numbers. And then once we have that, we can see is the death rate the same as seasonal influenza or is it higher than influenza? And that will impact policies that are being made by the uh, politicians and the scientists who are advising them about how do we recover from this? How do we go about a normal life in the future? And how does the economy 
uh, turn around and we get people working again. Do you think that we ever will really return to the normal that we were experiencing before the pandemic? I certainly hope so. You say return to normal, it, it depends, you know, what we mean by that. You know, is it, you know, certainly right. some people say we'll never shake hands again. You know, that's been a common practice for a long, long time. You know, will we do something different to greet each other. Uh, as far as going back to normal, you know, going back to, you know, people gathering in sports stadiums and churches and mass gatherings. I, I imagine at some point we will eventually get back to that um, in the future. I think hopefully we'll get a vaccine and that will help with immunity in the future and suppressing how many people get sick in the future, you know, reducing the, the death rate and uh, for elderly people and, the, and those who are most susceptible to getting severely ill from this. Because right now, most people okay. apparently who are getting this are not particularly symptomatic or don't have any symptoms right. at all. And it's the smaller, probably even significant minority of people who are getting more uh, symptomatic. So, and then even less are getting hospitalized. And um, so hopefully we'll get back to future or we'll get back to normal in the future, right. but it, it could take a little while depending on how things progress with uh, uh, flattening the curve currently. And uh, once we do lighten up on the measures of reducing the incidence, you know, if it resurges, you know, will it tighten right. up again and the vaccine development and if there's any treatments that are coming down the pipeline as well. I, I certainly hope we yeah. uh, get back to normal life. Us too. Really, we do. Well, thank Absolutely. you so much for doing this. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your Sunday. Thank you. No problem. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Have yeah, a good too. one. Take care. I thought he did a great job. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. I really enjoyed it. I think as a doctor, he's probably so overwhelmed. So many of these doctors, I think, right. are probably overwhelmed from all of the questions that they're getting. Everyone's asking them, when's this going to be over? What's going to happen? <laughs> no is... one has an official date. No, no, no one does. He touched a little bit on some of the tips that we can use to be able to stay safe and keep ourselves clean and always be using good hygiene. But I actually mm -hmm. read an article the other day that the CDC has now included new symptoms in their description for the coronavirus. Because I know Dr. Oh, wow. I know Dr. Hansen touched on how this virus is evolving and we're learning so much. I mean, it's funny to have been around when the flu first happened or the plague or these huge illnesses and these outbreaks, you're learning day by day by day. And we're living in a part of that right now. So, so much is coming to light every single day. And I actually read in an article from the CDC that now they're saying that the new symptoms are chills, shaking with chills, muscle pain, headache, sore throat, new loss of taste, persistent pain and pressure in your chest. I hope that all of these articles that we're reading and theories that doctors are coming out with will soon result to a vaccine, as Dr. Hansen said, and people like Chief Loosener can start to get some normalcy back in their workplace. And of course, we want our normal back. And and this is a terrible thing for this to have to happen. But I try to see the silver lining in hopes that maybe in some way we learn from this to not only keep ourselves healthier and safer in the future, but that we value our experiences and our time with each other a little bit more. All right. So that's our show today. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I just want to let you know about next week. So our third episode is going to be dedicated to mental health for everyone uh, who is struggling during this time of being in quarantine and all the stress that can come from it. So I'm, we're really excited for this next episode. I hope that you tune in.
We do. We do. We're really excited. Mental health is so important. We've been working on this for a couple weeks and we really hope that it touches you guys that eat. We hope that each episode does something different for you in some way that it affects you or that it helps someone out there that's listening. And we appreciate you taking the time to give us a chance and letting us be at home with you. So we're excited. Tune in next week. Make sure you subscribe and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye.